the book of Titus, chapter number 2. And uh, we'll just pick up where we left off the last time we were here together. And uh, begin our reading in, well, let's just start our reading in verse 1 of chapter number 2. And um, again, this would be to, uh, to Titus uh, from Paul. And of course, this is good for me today and any other preacher. But that's who this is being directed this to verse number one. Still be good for all of us that we speak things which become sound doctrine. And so it would be good for all of us to do that. <clears throat> I wrote this down somewhere. And uh, yeah, we'll get to it because he says something again. Verse number eight, we'll, we'll get to it then. But anyway, speak, so, uh, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. And uh, verse number two, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. Verse 3, the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women, and this is where we kind of left off last time, that they may teach the young women. And so it's important, I think, both ways to have good character uh, behind your teaching, but I will say, please, that the, uh, someone's character is no excuse to ignore the truth, right? I say that often. You say, well, why do you say all the time? Well, because uh, the same thing, reason he says, affirm constantly these things. We have to remember that, be reminded of that all the time, is that um, just because the person that told you something uh, did something wrong doesn't mean what they told you is not true, right? The Bible's true. Uh, regardless if uh, if an aged uh, woman told you something from the Word of God. But if we expect people to have any confidence in what we have to say, we need good character, don't we? We need to have high character. And we're looking at a healthy family here, and is what we've begun in chapter 2 and verse 1. And so in order, uh, speaking about the family in the church here, uh, we need aged men. We need them to be doing their part. The preacher needs to be doing his part. Takes everybody, right? It's a corporate thing. And so the aged women, likewise, they need to have good character uh, so that they can teach the young women and teach the young women to be sober and teach them to love their husbands. And uh, uh, I was speaking to a man today some about these uh, particular things and we need to remember and say, well, uh, I know I'm supposed to love my husband. Why would someone need to teach me to love my husband? Uh, well, uh, because uh, when you begin, sometimes, often, you're guided by a lot of emotion. I don't know about you, when I met my wife, there was a lot of emotions involved. And, um, and uh, you know, there was a lot of things, probably a lot more, guiding me, uh, a lot more of my emotions involved guiding me uh, than, than probably the truth and wisdom. And so you have to be careful uh, because what can happen is uh, things and situation and people can change over time. So something you thought you knew about somebody, they're liable to change on into your marriage. And what are you going to do then? Or you uncover things about them that you didn't know when you were courting, right? Is that the proper sanctified term to use? Not dating, it's courting. And uh, so uh, they, you find out a lot of things about people as you progress in life. And uh, you find out uh, there's a lot of difficulties. And love is a labor. You made a decision to love your mate until death do you part. And uh, you have to do all that you can to be reminded not to love yourself, but to love them. Where now we're just here uh, in this particular place where the woman is being instructed by an aged woman, the young woman, uh, to love her husband. Well, we have plenty of other verses that say that the husband is supposed to love his wife as Christ loved the church, right? But we're just on this part in the context of the scripture here. It wants to, uh, young women to be exhorted to love their husbands, to love them. And uh, because you find out something or a situation in your home that has made you unhappy, that's no excuse to stop loving him and look for someone else to love, right? Uh, love doesn't uh, hang around when it's convenient. It stays faithful when it becomes inconvenient uh, for you to be there. And uh, love presses on. Love continues on. 
um, for periods of time. And it could get difficult. Uh, and I, I don't pretend to have, you know, uh, all the answers and be able to practice and all. But I can just tell you what the Bible says. And the Bible says for the old, the aged women, the older ladies to be instructing the younger women to love their husbands. Right? That will become natural at first. But let me, let me assure you, that won't be easy as you get on into any marriage. And you need to remember that you took a vow before God made to love them, and you need to love them. Now, I cannot go through all the particulars, and I touched on some. Violence would be one, uh, you know, uh, extreme violence and things in a home. And I, I'm not preaching the exceptions that come into play where uh, a woman and her children shouldn't be subjected to certain things. Uh, but the rule is that the woman obey her husband and to love him, Right? And uh, so that is what should be guiding your thinking uh, is in your love to God. God's instructed you to love your husband, right? Don't love somebody else's husband. Everybody okay? Love your husband. God gave you a husband. You love him. And uh, don't worry about somebody else's husband. You just focus on loving yours and uh, making your home work right. And stay, uh, mind your own business about you and your husband. And don't try to fix everybody else's, right? But there is a sense in which it's okay for the aged women to teach the younger women some things. And here's some things that an aged, an aged woman that's going on in a marriage for any length of time has learned. Is that it will become difficult to love somebody. People are not easy to love. And it becomes difficult. At first, you think it's easy. At the first part of my marriage, my wife and I, uh, we could not get away from each other. We didn't have, we didn't have uh, all the modern conveniences, uh, or I should say uh, inconveniences, though you see them as conveniences that you all have. Uh, but uh, when I would leave her home or she would leave mine, uh, um, we couldn't no more than get out the driveway. We wanted to hurry up and get home, get on the phone, call each other, right? You'll get, uh, you'll get on in your marriage before long and uh, things will be a little different. You'll enjoy a little quiet time maybe, right? But you're instructed to love them. It'll come easy at first. There's a lot of, a lot of emotional things that are involved and, and early on in a marriage and you, uh, uh, you love one another and you're working together and then comes, uh, comes along and you start having children and uh, you start having responsibilities. You're paying your own bills, washing your own clothes and uh, the difficulties of life begin to come in and then something happens and uh, maybe one of your children uh, do something wrong and there creates friction uh, between you and your husband. There's various all kinds of things that can come into play home and uh, you need to let this thinking guide your mind that you need to love your husband. You need to support him and you don't need to tear down his decision making process uh, in front of your children. Right? That wouldn't be very loving to your husband. It should be a, a support of him, love him, and uh, you don't go around to other people tearing your husband down. That was not very loving to your husband. I know some ladies, they can't, they can't hardly get around, and they'll belittle and say uh, unnecessarily mean things and embarrassing things about their husband. I don't think that's proper. Do you? I don't think that's right. You should do, uh, uh, you should do your best to try to uh, love and support your husband. Uh, I'm not saying you got to go out and lie for him either, but you certainly don't have to tear him down, right? Try to love him. Support your husband. That's a good thing. Young ladies, when you get married, uh, you care for the things of your husband, the Bible teaches. And so uh, you need to make sure you keep that in mind that your, uh, what should be guiding you is not necessarily your personal happiness, but your love for your husband, right? Love your husband. Love him. It wouldn't be very loving to pull him out of church and cause him to sin. And uh, Is that loving? No. It wouldn't be very loving for you to do that. You aged women, when she instruct the younger women, I want you to tell them to be sober. And the next thing I want you to tell them to love their, love their husband. And then what's the next one? Love their children? That should be pretty natural. So I, I think there's an, that's a natural love. What would be unnatural uh, is going in and letting somebody inject it with something before it's ever born and kill it. That would be unnatural affection. That would be murder. No murder hath eternal life abiding in them. And uh, so anyway, so if natural, in terms of Christians here, you're going to say, well, why would somebody need to teach me to love my children? Because what you think might be love to you may not be very loving. Right? I've seen people let their children guide and run their home. Right? 
And so what you teach these young women, you have, here's how you love your child. I'll tell you how you love your child. I hear a lot of people out in the world say, oh, I love my children. They're the greatest thing in my life. And uh, they're the number one thing important to me. But you watch them live and they are the most important thing to them, not their children. Because if they love their children, they wouldn't raise them without God. Right? And so Asian women need to teach, their, their, uh, teach these young ladies and uh, you need to have a heart and an open mind to be taught because in spite of what you think at your age, you don't know anything. Really. You don't know a lot. And um, uh, it takes some experience to really know some things. So you need to have a humble spirit and an open mind and heart to allow people to teach you some things. And let older ladies teach you that you need to love your children. Well, how am I supposed to love your children? Some people say, again, some say, well, it's none of your business how I raise my child. Well, I, you can say that if you want to. But here's instructing aged women to teach the younger women how to love their children. Right? And say, well, I love my kids. I love my See, sometimes what we think is love is not really love. Right? And so sometimes you have to look at things and say, well, uh, this is what I think and this is how I'm going to do it. Well, an older lady, so if you really love that, that child, uh, you may need to take this route, maybe this route. Or, you know, they just have some experience and knowledge. Don't be afraid uh, to turn to aged folks and ask for advice. Right? I don't know why we get this idea uh, that uh, we need, uh, uh, I don't, the church has took it on, Brother E, but they've got the idea that to have a, a young, a successful teen uh, class or a successful youth group, you need a young person over them. Now, I, I'm not against that if they're wise and they're married and they've shown themselves to be. Uh, but uh, what would be wrong uh, with an aged person being involved with the young people? I see that more biblical uh, uh, than uh, than some young whippersnapper that I've seen come and go. And they, they're up and down and in and out. And, uh, you know, I'd rather have somebody with a little age on them that's shown themselves to be able to be pretty steady and calm and temperate. And uh, be able to help young people that are going through so many uh, decisions and things in their life. There's 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 internal things going on inside of you. There's, there's, uh, there's things that, uh, uh, chemical things that are going on and, and, and emotional problems. And there's just all kinds of things facing you in life and where you're at. And so you, here's the good thing. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to. God's gifted you with a pastor. He's gifted you with parents. And he's dealt, dealt graciously with aged people in here that you can get some help from. Isn't that wonderful? Don't be afraid to turn to somebody and say, look, I don't know what to do. There's safety in a multitude of counseling, you know. Go to your parents and get good advice, good sound biblical advice. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. Don't be afraid to do that. doesn't show weakness or doesn't show. It's okay to be a teenager and not know what to do. That's okay. Not supposed to know everything. So the, here we have the aged men being involved in and then the aged women, how they're supposed to teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. And then uh, we go on down here to um, verse number five. And we saw that some. I'll give you uh, just uh, a little bit here of uh, what these words mean. Again, they're, I found this some of the very more difficult portions of Scripture because they, some of these user, words are used interchangeably in other places and and so um, it, they're good word studies, though, though you'll find them to be very difficult, not as easy as some of the others. And some of the definitions that are given, given for one word is actually another word in your text. So is it being redundant and repeating itself? I don't think so. I think there's a different sense to the meaning of that word. So anyway, you just have to study it out for yourself. And I'll give you some of these in verse number five. Uh, one of the things it says to be discreet. Now, I, I kind of get the feeling here of what is being, what is being sensed by, uh, what is being given here to the young ladies. They are to be sober. They love their husbands. They love their children. And they be discreet. Now, we use that commonly uh, to be discreet as kind of like a, being a little bit mysterious, kind of being more reserved. Right? That's kind of commonly how we use that. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, you know, as a man, I'm not upset that another man's wife's not very friendly to me. That's okay. You're not my wife. You know, your duty is your husband. You be friendly to other ladies. You can, you can smile at me and shake my hand, but it's okay, man. You weren't best friends. Right? That's all right. And uh, so uh, I do think that there's a degree of what's being meant here as being discreet, as being reserved, as being, uh, I don't think it's godly for a young lady to be uh, boastfully going out and just uh, being inappropriately acting towards young men. I don't think that's appropriate. 
right? She should be more reserved. She should be more, uh, uh, somebody ever calls you backwards as a young lady? I don't, I don't have a problem with that. You say, well, I'm just so, when I get around young boys, I'm just not, that's okay. That's fine. You'll be okay. Don't worry about it. You'll open up one day. God gives you a husband. You won't believe it. It'll be wonderful. And uh, don't, don't worry about that. You don't have to be outgoing in your personality. Go find you a man. God will bring him to you. I don't think it's your job to go find you one anyway. Right? And we get it kind of opposite. And the young ladies are out trying to find them. That's not biblical. Just wait till God brings you who he wants you to have. Uh, if he wants you to have somebody. And be thankful for that. God will bring you to him. I don't think it's the job of the young lady to be going after young men. I don't think that's uh, how it should go. Uh, but that sense of that word of being reserved and being uh, di- more discreet. I, I want to uh, just uh, in that sense of its meaning. Because there is a sense of that in there. But also in, uh, in your home lady. Uh, you'll have to be exhorted to be discreet in that you can't go telling everybody everything that's going on in your home. That's not wise. That's not healthy to your family. Right? That is not a wise uh, practice to make a thing. You need to have a little bit of discretion. Now, I think I have a, a little bit. I'm fine with all of those uh, being used uh, as towards a young lady. It doesn't hurt the scripture at all. Uh, uh, but uh, I think a lot of this is kind of this word, to, be, to use discretion. Right? You're not careless in your actions. You're, you're, you're purposeful. In your actions, you're, you're purposefully sober. You're purposefully guiding your love towards your husband and towards your children. They dominate everything about you, your, your, your husband and your child, right? Your children, some of you, plural. Uh, they, they, they take everything. Your love to God has then turned to love that's been guided towards your husband and towards your children. And it's intentional and you use discretion in the things that you do. Here's, here, uh, here's some very, uh, not some very wise things that you can, you can, um, you can, you might be sometimes in your home. I'm trying to be careful here and using discretion. Uh, there's, there's things some of you ladies could say to your husband and you'd be dead on. Am I right? But it might be the wrong time to say it. They'll be using some discretion here and how you operate in your home. Because if you love him, you got to support him. There may be a good time to say it. There may be a time in which uh, your husband is maybe dealing with your children in a manner that may be inappropriate. Or maybe he said some things that you kind of disagree with this and that. In front of the children's not the place to do that. Right? Get, 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 you get, you get that man alone and there's a time where you and him and you, there is no problem with you saying to him, now, can I speak to you about something? I feel like this was kind of the wrong thing. I heard that. That's the way you handle it. Use some discretion in your life. Use some, use some discretion. How you operate. You gotta be so careful. You use discretion in every one of your decision, your decision making process. I'll give you the, uh, the actual definition that was given here uh, to judge wisely what is correct and proper in your actions. Right? Be discreet. Now, I don't have a problem uh, if you kind of more concentrate that in being discreet as saying, you know, being more reserved uh, in your personality or what have you. I'm okay with that too. But uh, definitely be wise for young ladies in their homes uh, dealing with their, their husbands to use discretion. Uh, to be wise in your decision making, not careless, uh, not being emotionally driven, but being intentional and purposeful in your love towards your husband and your child. Uh, but here's this word chaste in verse number five means to be, uh, uh, to be pure. Uh, that uh, certainly we could labor that much, but I think that speaks for itself. Uh, if, you, if you've got a lady that is in her behavior has become holiness, model after that. Be pure yourself, be chaste. Right, give no occasion for anything to be spoken of uh, against uh, against your home. Uh, don't uh, don't act uh, foolishly. Be flirting with other people and things like that when you're married. And you know, be pure and uh, keep yourself pure and discreet. And then this next part, we we stuck here. I won't do it again because we already did that. But keepers at home, um, that is something that uh, I've thought about some today. And I don't want to go in much detail, much to any more of that, other than to say uh, that um, the, the wife will do anything necessary or should want to do anything necessary for the good of that home. I believe that. 
I've seen situations and I've heard of situations where a man has been injured in some terrible accident and the wife has had to go into the workforce and work and provide and for her family and for her children. If you're going to tell me that this verse restricts a woman from taking a footstep out of her home, then you're not going to be able to practically apply that to life. You're going to have to take the Proverbs woman uh, and tell her that she's out of the will of God going to the markets and selling things. She's supposed to be at home. So tyrants have used this verse to belittle women and put them in a box. What is being sensed here to me in the spirit of this keeper at home is that her, her, her desire in her heart is to do whatever's necessary for the benefit of that home. She's wherever she's needed to do something to help her husband, to help her child, and to be able to keep that home and keep it in good order. Uh, that anything necessary needs to be done, she'll do it. Thank God for a lady like that. Isn't that wonderful? And uh, again, I'm not going to go into uh, any more of that, but uh, there is some balance in the scripture there, uh, which we need to be careful. And we discussed that uh, before, and I'm not going to do it again. So, obedient to their own husbands... And uh, uh, also has been used to kind of really press some agendas. But why don't we just let it stand where it says, where it, where it is, right? And that's why, men, we need to be really careful about we, how, how we just talk to another man's wife. If I've got a problem with your wife, I'll generally try to come to you as a man. I'm not going to scold and belittle and berate your wife. Uh, I'm going to try to come to you and say, hey, your wife's out of order here. I need you to get some things straight, right? Be careful about how you talk to another man's wife. Right? Because she's been exhorted to be obedient to her own husband. Right? And so um, she's trying to do that. And uh, you go to her husband, let him straighten the matter out. um, And uh, you'll have a whole lot more success. And I can say that for me. I don't take too kindly to a man just going off on my wife. (laughs) Come to me. Don't rob me of the blessing of getting to go off. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Seriously, we need to be careful about those kind of things. And I appreciate not having to have that issue here. I, I love to see that it being established and in progress. So thank you for that. That the word of God be not blasphemed. And so he ends there with those young ladies and, and uh, the young men, I mean, excuse me, the young, uh, the aged men, the aged women, and the young women. And then in verse number six, let's begin in verse number six here. Now, again, I looked at these young men and I saw in scripture a couple of different things. And uh, I don't know, again, this doesn't really matter, but I'm just going to give it anyway. Uh, but usually when this word is used, it has, a, it usually identifies a man under 40. Um, I don't know if that's the sense of what's being said. You'll have to do your own studies there but this is obviously not an aged man there's obviously a difference in an aged man and a young man and um, there's uh, another word that's used from 40 to like 58 and another word's used for over 60 uh, for the aged men I you know I, you can study that out if you want to but um, this let it stand what it says here the young men uh, I don't know that there's maybe it's not left open a little bit because it can vary a young man in bible times is different from a young man today Young ladies were getting married at 13 for, for many, 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 many years. Um, a 13-year-old in today's time is not even uh, ready to get behind a vehicle and drive it, let alone uh, being home by herself, right? Most 13-year-old young girls are not ready. And so I think maybe, maybe there's a reason there for the, maybe the times change. But, but anyway, so the young men, he goes verse number 6, and we get the young men. Again, we're still dealing uh, with, this, with this family. And uh, he said in verse number 6 that the young men uh, need to likewise exhort to be sober-minded. And so... This word I looked again, there's several different Greek words that were translated sober. So uh, there is a word in sense that means to be actually not drunk, to be sober, um, uh, to be serious was one that I saw in another portion. Here, this word that's used is translated in uh, two, other, two other places can refer- referencing the same uh, the Bible story. Uh, but there's the, the, the maniac, you know, when they found him seated and in his right mind. That's the same word here. That'd be sober-minded. It'd be in your right mind. That's, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, let me give you another one where it's translated. Uh, also, um, uh, Romans uh, 12.3. Uh, turn to Romans 12.3 real quick and look there to what it means.
means for this young man to get a sense. Now, the Bible's going to call me out in specific and tell me that I'm to exhort you and call you out specifically as a young man and then tell us something to do something. Because there's a lot of things that he could tell uh, these Christians to do and to affirm constantly. He could have said, uh, tell them uh, to be uh, holy. He could say, he could tell them to be all kinds of things. And he chose this one thing to say to the young men who obviously have a tendency, at least here, to be slow bellies and evil beasts and whatever is natural to their nature. And he said, exhort them to be sober-minded. I want them to be in their right mind, right? And so what would that mean? And to me now in Romans 12, verse number 3, I say through the grace of God given to me that every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. But to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. So what's he exhorting us young men to do? He's exhorting us here in Romans 12. It obviously has something to do with not being high-minded. Not being prideful. Not being arrogant. Do young people have a problem with that? (coughs) Miss Phillips. Teach school. Uh, many of you other teach school. Do young men have a problem maybe being a little arrogant, a little prideful? Yeah, I think so. And uh, now some of you uh, maybe have a little more problems with that than others. But most young men have a problem with that. And uh, so here's what he's saying is, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, young man. Right? Think soberly. A man, when he thinks he's something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Uh, um, you get the idea. So let me expound on this a little bit. You get the idea. A young man gets the idea, especially he approaches 18. He starts to enter the world. Life is all about me. Right? My mom and dad don't know nothing. And by that very statement, you're saying you do no more than them. You've lost your mind. If anybody don't know nothing, it's you. Right? And so it says, think soberly. Don't think of yourself uh, in, a, in a manner uh, that's unbiblical. Is that okay? I want you to have biblical thinking, godly thinking in your mind. I want you to see yourself as you are. And the scriptures see that uh, 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 and really start to see though your life is beginning and you've got to decide what career path you're going to choose, who you're going to marry. You've got so many choices that are facing you that are so vital to your very uh, life. Uh, and though that is very true, life still doesn't revolve around you. Right? It's not about you. Right thinking would be for you to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and have biblical thinking, right? Well, I'm going to do what makes me happy, and i tell you what, I'm tired of all these rules, and I'm going to go where I can be free, and I can live the way I want to. You are crazy. You're not thinking right. Those very things that were built around you kept you safe until you got in charge and started running your life. You've made a mess of it since you've been making decisions. Why? Because you're, not, you're a young man and you don't know anything. Contrary to what you think you know. Is that too harsh? Proof's in the pudding, isn't it? I'm going to get away from these funny, funny mentalists. They're all crazy. They want you to Go to church all the time, worship God, read your Bible. I know of one right now, I'm thinking of right now, raising one of the godliest homes I know of. They took off and left everything behind, and he said they're all a bunch of hypocrites. Well, he's on Facebook with his shirt off, flexing his muscle. You're the idiot, looks like to me, friend. You walked off from God and a godly living because of people? I see one fool in this situation. It wasn't your parents that tried to honor God, it's you. Right? All them hypocrites. Well, what are you? Right? Come on, young men. Are these young men that think they know everything? It's amazing to me that get out of a godly home, godly raising, God-fearing church, Bible preacher, and they all of a sudden know more than everybody else in the world, and they take off after the world because everybody hurt me because they tried to keep me out of sin. Boo-hoo. I don't feel sorry for you. You wouldn't last, you wouldn't last, and and, and they don't. You won't last five minutes out there in the world. They don't last, Brother Ghost, and I watch them headlong right for the world. They don't last five minutes. You can't even have a preacher preach a halfway rough message without you crying on social media about it. 
Wait till you get out and you got a boss screaming at you telling you how pathetic you are. And you're not allowed to smack him. Have some real problems. You big baby. Hey, we've raised a generation of some of the softest men. At Brother Courier's age, at Brother Golson's age, at Brother Reed's age, back in them days, they was men at 15, 16 years old lying about their age or they could go, go storm the beaches of Normandy. Now, that was a little bit before you. But, I mean, I'm telling you, we had men in that generation and the subsequent generations that were raised up, that were willing to fight and die for their country, that were willing to fight and die for their families, for their homes, for their freedom, and they were willing to do it all. And I'm telling you, we've got a bunch of, a bunch of young men these days that think they've got it so rough because they're raised in a home that loves God and gives them everything they ask for. I'm telling you, we've got a messed up generation of young men. Yeah, you're so tough. Yeah. It's going good for you, isn't it? I got it figured out. Why don't you go ask some of them? Why don't you ask some of them what it's like to buy insurance now after a DUI? They got it all figured out, Brother Nathan. We're all wrong. All that legalism made them dress right, tried to keep them out of drinking and doping and running around with women. And they get out in the world and think, man, if I can get away from all these chains that are keeping me behind, buddy, I'll get out there in the world and I'm going to live it up and it'll, I'll be free. You, the, the greatest slave uh, in this country uh, is the saved man that thinks he's loose from any moral obligation. He's a slave to the world. He's a slave to sin. And he's a slave to himself. And you're going to find out real quick. It may take you a little time, but you're going to find out and not too long down the road after life and the reality of life hits you and you've got life that's in a mess and you got somebody pregnant you ain't even married to. And you get, I'm telling you something. You get out there and you really get in a mess and you run into somebody out here. Dra- I'm going to tell you something. A man that'll drink a bottle of liquor and get in a car and drive it and risk killing my family ain't worth shooting. You better amen that. I would, I, he ain't worth the bullet taking back out of here and shooting. Is that too rough? I feel like getting rough. You young men okay? A man that'll drink a bottle of liquor and get behind a car and risk killing my family ain't worth shooting. And I'm glad it's online. You're as low down and sorry. You know what? You're a good sign. I'll tell you what, some of you may, it'd be good for you. It'd be good for somebody to rearrange your jaw one good time. You're smart mouth, bad mouth everybody and everything. You're prideful and arrogant. You're disobedient, rebellious, and you're disrespectful. What was so bad about being raised in a Christian home? Well, my, my daddy wouldn't let me wear shorts. Yeah, well, you look like an idiot in them now. But I'm just being honest with you. You see most of them out there? Their little old chicken legs hanging out underneath them things. You look like an idiot. But you think you look good, so whatever. Now, I'm not preaching. I'm not trying to preach all that kind of stuff. Y'all know where I'm at on that stuff. But I'm telling you, because if somebody had a conviction in their home and they're trying to give you a godly raisin, somehow you get in your mind, somehow they're the enemy and they kept you back all your life. I could have really been something if I didn't have parents that took me to church all the time. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have been somebody like me. Why don't, you, why don't you come talk to me and live with the memories that I have as a kid? You know what I'm talking about, Brother Reed? I told you not long ago a few things. Would you, like, would you think any of these kids would like to trade some memories like I told you for what, for what they've got? I'd rather have some memories of some parents who stood in church trying to stay faithful, love God, fight the devil to keep their home together. It's not been easy to even keep their homes together. <laughs> Some things you kids don't even know goes on between a husband and wife and you don't realize what's going on in the background, the sacrifices that have been made, the love that has had to be showed, the the, the uh, self-denial that's had to take place on your behalf to try to give you a godly raisin and a godly home and you throw it away to go for the world. And then you want me to feel sorry for you and agree with you because they had some rules on you. You come along to the wrong person too late to get me to believe that mess. I was raised in a home that was pretty much a free-for-all. And you, I, you, don't, you don't want to trade memories with me. I would to God I had some of the memories some of y'all have as a kid. I say, well, Brother Clint, it's not been easy. I'm going to be honest with you. Brother Doug Grains might agree with you because that's the kind of reason he had. I don't agree with you. And that doesn't mean I disagree with him. 
What I'm saying is I'll never know the experience that he had, but he'll never know the experience I had. So you don't know what it's like to try to live in a Christian home where you're not allowed to, you know, touch your girlfriend. You're not allowed to go places by yourself. You're not allowed to drink and smoke and cuss and run around with people like that and go to church all the time. You don't know what it's like. I got, can I be honest with you? You're going to have a hard time getting me to feel sorry for you. Yeah. Are we okay in here? I, I think you're going to find out when you get to the end of yourself and you get to laying around that hog pen... I hope, if God don't let you die down there, I hope you'll get down there long enough to look up and realize how good you had it back home. Amen. So can I encourage you, Mom and Dad, don't give up. It's, I'm telling you, the dividends may not pay off here. These kids may never appreciate it. They may never, I don't care. But I'm going to tell you something. They've laid up something in heaven for you. There's a God in heaven that will not forget your work and labor of love, which you showed towards his name. I would not let my home go because my teenagers are making it difficult on me to keep a godly home. Everybody okay? God put me in charge of that home, not these boys right here. And I don't think we ought to let our children uh, 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 sway us one way or the other. And I know that's easier said than done. It's easy to keep a telephone away from a three-year-old. And I'm going to be honest with you. It was easy not to have one when I was a kid because they didn't exist. It was easy not to look at things you shouldn't have on the Internet because we didn't have it. I just lacked opportunity. Not that I was any better than you young people. I just didn't have the chance. It's difficult in these days to raise a kid. I understand that. And you want to give them things. You felt like you've deprived them of everything. Listen, I'd rather meet God with having kept them as, as close as possible to Jesus and away from this world. I'd rather meet God with that than put something in front of them that's going to take them to hell. Right? I know it's hard. Just stay, stick with the stuff. Stay with it. I wouldn't give an inch on them. <laughs> I, I wish we ought to probably ought to have we ought to probably have a burning all of our houses some things we've let in in the past five or ten years, huh? Our kids are better off when we had some of these convictions. We've let them go. Are we any better off? Come on now. I'm not meddling. Like Brother Bearden said, I'm preaching, not meddling. Well, I'll be honest with you. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be ugly. But I hear these sob stories from these older, these kids, and they get 18, 19, 20 and leave home, and they want to try to tell me how bad they had it because, you know, maybe, maybe their mom or dad didn't do something right, but they raised them for 18 years under sound Bible preaching, and they do nothing but a, a godly home with very few, if any, arguments in the home. They've never seen a fist fight and blood gushing out. They've never seen hospital visits and, and ERs and cops and drugs and cocaines in the closet and joints sitting on the counter and people coming by. They don't, they've never seen none of that. They're, arguing, they're, they're complaining and wanting the world because they had a parent and mom and dad that loved God and loved them and tried to keep them away from everything that would destroy their life. I'm sorry. I don't feel sorry for you. You know, pity party over here. Call somebody else. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm trying to back off of that and go on. But that just, that just bothers me. Got it all figured out. They're out here running the bars, running around with women, fornicating. I can promise you there's coming a soon day you're going to regret how you're living. And it's not your parents' fault for the way that you are. You chose to go the route you're going. And there's coming a day God's going to make sure you regret it. I'm tired of soft-pedaling some of these young people. You've been soft, well, I understand. It's difficult to live in... It's not difficult to have parents that love you. That's not difficult to show up at church, hear somebody preach, and pay attention and be respectful. We respect lost. We expect lost people in school to sit there in their classrooms and be on time and sit there and listen to a teacher for nearly eight hours a day. And we think a young person's got it bad because they got to listen to Bible preaching three times a week. You don't have it bad. Grow up and put your big boy britches on and face line and be thankful to God you've got it the way you've got it. 
and submit yourself therefore unto them that have rule over you and just read your Bible and try to live for God and pray God deal with you and humble yourself I'm telling you you're going to regret the direction you're going one day I'm not speaking I'm not speaking because I read this in a book somewhere I'm telling you by experience you are going to regret the life you're leading think nobody knows everybody knows in fact I know so much I wish I didn't know everybody knows everybody knows how many people you fornicate with they know where you go to church come on now they know when you're smoking pot they know when you drink alcohol yeah what do you want out of me stop preaching it so you'll feel better not on your life not on your life. You don't control me. You might control your mom and dad, but you ain't gonna control me preaching against what you do. You're living like the devil and God's gonna get you for what you're doing. Because sin, when it's finished, brings death. And if you are even saved, God in heaven has eyes that run to and fro in the earth and seeking. I'm telling you, God sees everything. And you might pull the wool over my eyes and your mom and daddy's eyes, but there's an almighty holy God in heaven that will put you in hell one day for the sins you're committing, for the fornication, for the adulteries and the fornications, the idolatry and the the alcohol and the drug use. I'm telling you, there's a God in heaven that's not going to let you by with that. I'd worry, I'd worry very little about who around here finds out about it and I'd be a whole lot more concerned about the God of heaven that already knows all about it. We serve a holy God who's just and I'm telling you, he's not going to let you by no matter who your mom and daddy are. And I'm going to tell you something, when you get old enough and you leave your home behind, it's just you and God then, friend. And he's long-suffering and loving, but you better never forget he's holy and just. He'll make you wish you did listen. Some of you aged men can say amen right there. You ever rebelled against something God told you to do? I guarantee you God will make you wish you didn't do that. You know I love you. I wouldn't preach to you like this. And whether you think I love you or not, I really don't care. I do to some degree and other degrees I don't. What you need to understand is the truth about what I'm saying. That Bible teaches a holy God who will send people to hell for the lives that they live. It's your sins and your transgressions in which God will damn you into eternal lake of fire one day. And what you think about my love matters very little in comparison to a God that so loved the world that removed himself from his throne and laid aside that royal idea and laid aside the glories of heaven and came into this sin-cursed world to die in your place. <laughs> and with that, we'll move on. Hey, this used to be kind of standard preaching back in the day. I love this kind of preaching. Say, well, I don't like it. Well, go on. Go find you somewhere. Don't preach like this. You've about already quit anyway. Just go ahead and see how long you get by with it. See if I'm lying to you. Am I telling the truth, Brother Nathan? There's not a sin out there that I wish that I could still lay hold of. I don't miss a one of them. My flesh battles with them like anybody else's. But there's nothing in that world that God saved me from that I miss. Not a thing. But I sure can't hardly get out of old time religion for about a week and I don't miss old time worship. Say, well, ain't nothing to it. Well, you believe what you want to. Thirteen years ago, God took a sin-infested young man I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even dishonor the Lord and speak about the things I've done. And God took a man like that on a Thursday night and said God doesn't even exist. There is no God. I told my wife and my mother to leave. It was the best it was ever going to get. I told my wife she should have married a preacher. Is that what I told you? And by Saturday night, Brother Easley, God had me down on my face. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You come along too long not to tell me there's nothing to old time religion. There's nothing to it. There's nothing to it. Look how you be. Well, you, you can look at me and I'm be ashamed at the day when I stand before God in the judgment seat at some people I probably made stumble. You'd probably be right. But I'm going to tell you something. You've come way too late in my life to tell me there ain't nothing to old time religion. 
I know I was there that night when God saved me and I got down on that little old porch just south of the river and got down on my face and cried out to God to have mercy on me and got up a free man and I'm telling you God changed my life he established my going my family's here today my home's together because old time worship old time religion God in his infinite wisdom and mercy got this poor sinner up out of the miry pit and put him on a solid foundation and changed his life there's something to it don't you tell me there's nothing to it. You believe that Jesus is the Son of God and cast yourself on Him and God will change you for eternity. There's a lot to it. But I'm going to tell you there's a lot more that didn't go with me. I don't have enough fingers and toes to tell you of the personal friends that died doing the same thing I was doing for God saved me. I've got faces flashing through my mind right now of dear friends. I don't have the fingers. I'm not talking about people I I just heard on the TV. Personal friends that I either went to school with and spent time with and knew on a very, very, very personal level that are in hell today. That are in hell today as I'm preaching, standing here with the forgiveness of sin. Same opportunities. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared in all men. I don't have fingers and toes to tell you the individuals, the calls that I've had of friends who some of them got so down low that they couldn't get off them pills. They got so far low. Thinking of a good friend right now, Brother Reed. I wish I... I wish I'd have reached out to him. I just didn't. Took enough oxy-80s and drank enough beer to never wake up the next day and died right in, his home in the same room his mama raised him in all of his life. The same bedroom she went and laid him down in at night as a little suckling child. Killed himself. You know why he killed himself? Because he couldn't get out of sin. Wasn't just a few days before that that he told his mom, I can't quit. I can't get out of this. It's got me and I can't get out. Okay, just believe whatever you want to. I took my time up here tonight. I wish I had the words to try to convince some people. And I feel like such a failure because I don't have the words to tell them. I don't have the words to tell you the blessedness that my life's been since I've been saved. But I've spent years trying to forget the first 25 years of my life. It was so bad. I purposefully tried to forget my childhood memories. I've had to sit out on purpose to try to forget the things that have happened in my life. But God, I've known nothing but joy and peace in the Holy Ghost since the day God saved me. I've made a real mess of things. I'm not saying I hadn't seen depression and been down and failed God. and I sure have done those things. But you better believe when that Bible, like that old song said, stirred me up the other night. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Amen. God never, never gave up on me, never quit me. We got to go home, boy. I wish. You know what most of your problem is? The devil's convinced you it's the way and the truth and the life. That's the problem. Somehow you've been convinced that preaching and, and church and all that's been the problem. But I'm going to tell you what you'll find when you get to the end of yourself. You know what you'll find? You're the problem. 
It's been your rebellion that has caused you the grief and the pain and the anguish of life. I wouldn't scar the mind of another person and tell them some things that went on in my childhood. But I'm going to tell you what God was going to put me in hell for. It wasn't nothing my mom and daddy did. It's what I did. You better forget all that junk. And you better get to realizing that you're going to meet God with your own problems. Your own rebellion. Now, I don't know how we got there, but we're, we're done tonight. We'll, we'll come back here. I'll be obedient to their own husbands that the Word of God be not blasphemed. Young men, I want to exhort you now. You better start thinking biblically. You better get yourself under control and forget all that other foolishness and start thinking biblically. You're not thinking right. If the devil's convinced you you're going to be happier away from God's church living in sin, you are not thinking right. You're, you're what we would call, you're out of your mind. Well, what my nanny would say, you're out of your ever-loving mind. You want joy and peace and love and you want a good life? Get in this Bible and think biblically and love God and serve Him all the days of your life. Lord, we love you tonight. I want to thank you for saving me. I think I speak for everybody here to thank you, Lord, tonight for the salvation of God. And Lord, I pray you get a hold of some young hearts by whatever means necessary. Do, Lord, what you've done for me the night I was awakened and my mind was illuminated to the reality that I was a sinner against the Holy God. And then, Lord, you let me see Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Thank you, Lord. For these young people you have saved, help them to sell out and live for you. Well, oh God, for those that have done nothing, they've done nothing with their life but play in sin and live on the edge. I pray, oh God, for it's too late, you get a hold of their heart. We love you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand to your feet if you would. We'll have a verse. We're going to sing, Brother Reed. 265. Draw 265. If you need to come, just mind the Lord. Mm.